I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We waited all this time for the Buccaneers cornerback that we knew deserved to go into the Hall of Fame. And it finally happened. It finally happened on Thursday night at NFL Honors. Darrell Rivas is a member of the class of 2023. <laughs> really, put your hands together. No, no, come on. I'm kidding. He was a Buccaneer for a year, however, made the Pro Bowl. No, congratulations to Rondé Barber. Uh, this was maybe the worst-kept secret in America, I think, because the way they do it now in the Hall of Fame, they have the quintessential knock at the door about two weeks before NFL honors <laughs> and before the Super Bowl. Um, so Rondé not one to keep a very good secret, although nobody let it get out publicly, um, knew that he had, um, been elected to the pro football hall of fame class of 2023 and listen, well-deserved, obviously. I mean, this guy was an unbelievable player and sort of in, in a sense, there was, there were slot corners before, obviously none his size and very few, if any, that played there all three downs like Rondé did. Um, and there's just so many great stories about, you know, not just his ability, but his durability. I mean, this guy was all of listed at five foot 10. I'd say he's closer to five, nine, uh, 184 pounds soaking wet. Um, and he would play in there among the giants, the 300 pound guards and root out, you know, ball carriers and, and blitz as well as, as anybody, Warren Sapp said he had a get-off as good as his, and also, of course, had great ball skills, and played, and this is the amazing thing to me, Steve, he played 16 years, man, and he went 215 consecutive games without missing a start. It's incredible. It's phenomenal, particularly when you say the size he was, and he wasn't just covering corners, he wasn't Deion Sanders just locking down receivers. I mean, 25 sacks or 25 more sacks in his career. I mean, how many tackles for a loss? How many times was he in on the run? I mean, you know, he did everything a cornerback's supposed to do. And he did it at an elite level for a long time. What, 215 consecutive starts? That's crazy for someone as physical as he was and as small as he was. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, his versatility and his production was off the chain. I mean, you talk about his longevity, but his production – I mean, this was a guy, 47 interceptions, 28 sacks. Nobody has 40 and 25 in NFL history. 15 forced fumbles, 12 fumble recoveries. He had 12 touchdowns. He scored a lot of touchdowns, over 1,251 tackles. Five times he went to the Pro Bowl. Three times he was named All-Pro. He's a member of the All-Decade team for the 2000s. Won a Super Bowl, obviously. Had that 92-yard reception against the Eagles. I mean, all these things um, sort of is what, made him so Hall of Fame worthy. And look, he was a finalist the last three years. Uh, he did have to wait, you know, since I guess his last year would have been, what, 2012. Um, you consider the first year of eligibility was around 2018, I think. 
So he's had to wait a little bit, but it was well worth it because this is now the fourth member of the Bucks Super Bowl defense, 2002 defense, that has made it to the Hall of Fame. And if you think that's not a big deal, consider this. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steel Curtain, they have five. I mean, that is that is really high, high regard uh, for that defense. And really, I think Simeon Rice, we can talk about who else deserves it. Uh, his numbers are, are crazy good, too, and, and, and certainly can match any edge rusher in the Hall of Fame right now. Um, but, you know, Rondé, you know, it was funny. I tell this story. There's a lot of stories to tell about Rondé. The first one is he's got to be the only member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame who played only one game as a rookie. That's right, one game in the regular season. He was inactive the entire time. He played somewhere in November or so. Uh, They started him against the Arizona Cardinals, and a receiver named Rob Moore lit him up, lit up the Bucks actually, for, and especially Rondé, for about 147 yards and a touchdown. And Barber looked awful, just just lost out there. And Herm Edwards, who I talked to, you know, a couple times last week about Rondé, in anticipation he'd make the Hall of Fame. He said, you know, when he came here, um, and he was a third round pick. He was when he came here. He just he wasn't in shape, uh, didn't know how to be a pro. They had some other guys like Anthony Parker and some other defensive backs that were veterans that they felt more comfortable with. And he told Tony Dungy, this is going to be a, this is going to take a while. You know, like he's not going to be a guy that's going to play right away. And so they played him. He had a bad experience. They benched him again. And probably about five or six weeks went by. Um, They get into the postseason. They win their first uh, wild card game. And then they go to play the Green Bay Packers in the divisional playoff. And this is a huge game. And Herm comes up to Rondé and says, you got to go. You're in. And he plays him. <laughs> and the guy plays okay. He didn't record a stat, but he plays okay. Bucks lose 21-7, I think it was, um, or thereabouts to the Packers, and that ended their season. But then from then on, the guy was, you know, barely missed a play. I mean, didn't miss any games. He played in 215 straight, like I said. And, and there's some great stories about that. He was not always healthy. He, he grinded through it. To be honest with you, I was talking to Raheem Morris, and I think it was, in fact, I'm sure it was in the 2002 season when they won a Super Bowl. Rondy tore up his knee, and during the bye week, he had arthroscopic surgery. And and it was, you know, fairly significant. I mean, even if you have uh, arthroscopic surgery for, for cartilage, or in this case, he had a partially torn PCL, it's not something that you're going to go back and play football the next week, right? Or the week after or the week after that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of swelling. There's a lot of pain and, and remember what position he's playing. He, he's a slot corner. He's got to, you know, cut and he's got to use acceleration and all those things. I mean, I had, and I'm not comparing myself to an elite athlete NFL player like Ronnie Barber, but just for the, the general person, I had a scope on my knee in cartilage, um, asked the doctor if I could, work four days from now. He goes, what do you do? I said, well, I'm just a sports writer. All I have to do is fly to Houston, go to my hotel, get in a car, go to a game, go back to my hotel. Yeah, you'll be fine. There shouldn't be any problem. Well, just walking through Hobby International, my knee blew up so big that by the time I got home, they drained 50 cc's of fluid off of it. This is a guy playing NFL football. And he, and he was injured and he was in pain. So he goes out to practice 
and he didn't want it to appear on the practice report. And so what he did was he, he played one play at the, at, at the start of each pra- period in practice, and then he would stop. And, <laughs> you know, Raheem said that, and Raheem was the assistant defensive backs coach at that time, and, you know, you had Mike Tomlin who was coaching defensive backs. And so he said Raheem said that him and Mike couldn't even watch because he was so awful. Like, his effort, he couldn't move. They were like, oh, God, get him off the field. I can't watch. Get him off. No, he's back on. Oh, I can't watch. And against that backdrop of practice where he never appears on the injury report, even though he's very much injured, um, he starts against Green Bay. And this is 2002 in November. And they intercept Brett Favre four times. He has one of those interceptions, plays a great game, and he never stopped playing. I mean, he went all the way through to the Super Bowl. And, of course, we saw what he did in Philadelphia, and he closed the vet. Um, Tough, tough guy. Obviously played with a lot of other things too, but that that was just one of them. Um, but yeah, he he sort of, you know, other like I said, other people had played that position. When I talked to Tony Dungy, he kind of brought the defense, you know, from Pittsburgh, from Chuck Knoll and all of that. And, you know, there were a lot of guys that he could sit down with and he did so like with Derek Brooks, right? And he would tell them, you know, listen, um, if you do what you're supposed to do with your talent, you could be Pro Bowls, you could go Pro Bowls, you could be in the Hall of Fame one day. I'm telling you, because like with Warren Sapp, it was, hey, you could be Joe Green. You know, you have the get off, you have the skill set, the strength, you can dominate inside. You could be like Joe Green. You should be. And you tell Derek Brooks, like, you know, you could be like Jack Ham, you know, and play that weak side linebacker, run all over the field, make tackles everywhere, um, good ball skills, intercept passes, all of that. And with John Lynch, um, it was like, hey, you can be, um, who was it, Shell, I think it was, that played uh, safety for uh, for Pittsburgh. And, you know, you can do all the things he did, you're physical, you're, you know, you got good ball skills. But when it came to Rondé, there was no Rondé Barber you know, that, that really played that position. Now, Tony coached Rod Woodson, and he played inside there for a while. Um, but Rod was, you know, 220 pounds. You know, he's a big physical guy. Uh, so, you know, but now, after all these years, he he could go to guys and say, hey, you could be the next Rondy Barber. I thought that was a great story because uh, there were so many parallels to, to what Tony brought over from the Steelers, which he was a part of. He was a safety on on some of those you know Steeler defenses that won Super Bowls in '79 and, and other years, so Tony knew what he was talking about. But yeah, the guy, I mean, just defied his size, his ability, his ball skills, making huge plays in big moments, doing it in in, in various ways. And you know, when his career started, he's of course the twin brother of Tiki Barber. Tiki was the star. I mean, Tiki was drafted 30-something picks higher, you know, in, in the second round, I think. Um, Rondi went in the bottom of the third. Tiki went to New York to the Giants, and the Big Apple was, you know, all over him, and he got all kinds of opportunities, became a very cosmopolitan guy. I mean, these guys had, had lived in the womb, and, and since then went to the same college, lived together for like, 20 some 20 years and then they split 
and Ronnie goes to Tampa and Tiki goes to New York. And it was interesting to see, even though they're identical twins, how those places changed their personalities a little bit. Not so much for Ronde, um, who kind of fell into the suburban lifestyle, but you know, Tiki was moving as fast as New York City does and had a lot of interest outside of football. Um, but he, make no mistake, he was the star of the show. He was the star of the family, especially early on when Ronde wasn't playing. Tiki played and was, you know, gaining yards and, and teaming up with Eli Manning. And, you know, at times they didn't get along very well. And he actually was in a Super Bowl before Ronde was. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens, if you remember, here in Tampa. So I can remember Ronde and Tiki being on the field before the game together. And then you look ahead and you go, wow, like you're in it for the long game. And Tiki quit fairly soon into his career. I want to say he played about eight seasons, somewhere like that, eight or nine seasons. And Ronde kept going and going and going. And now here he is in the Hall of Fame. I thought it'd be interesting, though, like because what you got to do is eventually you're going to have to sit and pose for your bust. I would just say, hey, man. Do me a solid tiki and sit in this chair for about three hours, <laughs> so I can go, I can go get a, a lunch or something. Um, because th- you're gonna walk in there, it's like, hey, you sure now that, that looks a little like tiki there. Um, but no, it's great. It's great that he's in. I, I do have to correct. Well, it's not really a correction yet. Yeah. In five years, we'll be talking about another Hall of Famer who played one game as rookie year. That's Tom Brady. Five years we'll be talking about another. Oh, Tom Brady. He played one game his rookie year. That's right. Was active for two, but only played in one. Brett Favre played two games his rookie year. Okay. So not as uncommon maybe. But quarterbacks, uh, I think that's more common because there are quarterbacks that come in and and sit. Well, and especially back in the day, mm -hmm. right? Like back in the day, that was sort of what you wanted them to do. Yeah, I didn't look up, uh, like, did Patrick Mahomes get in any games? Not many. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. If he did it all, he didn't get in many because Alex Smith was a starter his whole rookie year. Yeah, but I mean, you know, did he get some mop up duty? That you know. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming Patrick goes into the Hall of Fame, I mean, he's not there yet, obviously. But so I wonder how many. You know, and I don't know the answer. I wonder how many non quarterbacks there would be. You know, how many? Um, yeah. Mahomes played one game his rookie year, the last game of the Who season. Did? Mahomes. Oh, he did. Okay, he played the last game his rookie season. All right. So, but well, I, I would think for quarterbacks more. I mean, I would think a cornerback. I, I mean, I can't imagine another one that only played one game. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe if someone was hurt, right? But still, got to be got to be, be pretty rare. And 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 the fact that you know, how many people want to ride him out of town after? Yeah, people were saying he was a bust, and not the bust he's going to have in Canton. I mean, he was a god awful player, and. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz about him, you know, the second year, like he was going to suddenly, you know, catch fire, but he did. And he worked his butt off. And he was a great guy in the film room as well. He could figure stuff out. You know, I was talking to Dungy about uh, they were playing the Rams, I think, after the Super Bowl. And they had this one play and they would, they would sort of like window dress it and, you know, make you think their ball was going to another guy. And, and Rondi had it figured out. And they had Isaac Bruce, you know, ran like an over route, and then they snuck Marshall Falk out of backfield. And Falk was actually the intended receiver. And early in the game against the Rams, Rondé had looked at this all all week long on film. Most guys couldn't get it. You know, they just kept uh, getting fooled. Rondé had it down. 
Uh, Kurt Warner comes out first series, I think first or second series. They run the over. Isaac Bruce, he lets him go, hands him off. Here comes Falk. He jumps it, intercepts it, doesn't return it for a touchdown, but changes it, you know, the whole tenor of the game. Uh, and that was the team they had lost to in the FC Championship game, I think, prior to that. So, you know, he just, he was a film junkie and, you know, really just was a, was an absolute student of the game. He just, he just did everything he did. It seemed effortless for him, but there was, there was, you know, tons and tons of preparation on his body. Um, could, could teach other guys was great in the locker room, saved my life one day. <laughs> he pushed, I've told this story before where, uh, Akib Talib, uh, when he first got to the Bucks, was not really a very good pro. Um, you know, the, he had all kinds of bad things happened early on. He missed missed the you know the flight to the rookie symposium. He got in a fight while he was up there with one of the Bucks draft picks. He, you know, had the you know assault charge with a cab driver. You know, all that stuff, right? And and it got worse. And and you know, I had done a story. I'd gone down to Texas and did a story on you know where he came out and was you know firing guns in his neighborhood and and there were kids around like you know um there's all kinds of stuff going on so the bucks were thinking about releasing him they didn't ultimately i think Raheem Morris went to the owners and said I'll be responsible for him we're not cutting this guy Dom Mark Dominic kind of wanted to I think but they kept him and he played the whole year and had a pretty good year and it was towards the end of the season I was in the locker room and I, I don't know. I keep whether he paid attention or not. He didn't know who's that MF Rick Stroud. Where's that MF Rick Stroud <laughs> or whatever. And I, I was like, I'm like, I'm here. I'm right here. Right, you know, keep I'm right in front of you. And he was standing on, uh, like on a chair by his locker. And, um, and he was like, you wrote that I was going to be, I was going to be out of here. You wrote that I was going to, and he was like, is I here? Is I here? And I said, yeah, I said, and I'll take you right now to the guy that was prepared to let you go. If you want to go with me, let's go. And he goes, take me, take, I'll take you, I'll take you. And he he jumped off the bench out of nowhere. It got loud. Out of nowhere comes Ronnie Barber, I think from the showers, if you want to know the truth. And he grabs hold of me, shoves me out the locker room door, tells Akeem to back down. And I don't know what would have happened if he didn't do that. Probably would have been a bloody mess on my part. Um, and, you know, everything was fine after that. I actually got along with Akeem very, very well. I've seen him many times, interviewed him at Super Bowls and stuff like that, and we kind of laugh about it. But that's who he was. Like, he he was the boss, right? Like, he was the boss of that locker room, the boss of those defensive backs. And and there were a lot of them in 16 years. In his last couple years, I was convinced that, you know, he played to help Raheem Morris. Like his career was pretty much Hall of Fame worthy, right? Before those final two years, Raheem moved him to safety because he felt like, you know, I'll, I can get two more years out of him if I can get him out of that, you know, freeway uh, inside in the slot corner position. So he moved him to safety and he did a pretty good job back there. Um, and he played two more seasons. Um, but yeah, it just, he, he was, you know, that conscious of the team and, and went through a lot of, a lot of coaches and, you know, three different coaches. And he started with Dungey, obviously, then Gruden and then Raheem. I mean, if you think about it, three presidential or three, three president administrations. I mean, he started with Bill Clinton is when he was drafted. 
uh, George W. Bush, his four years, and then Barack Obama before he was done. I mean, it's just the longevity is nuts, how long he played and how good he was. So happy for him. He seemed, most guys, when they get to that point, Steve, they're, they're relieved as much as anything. It's The process is 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 grating on you because there's so many worthy players, right? And this because this is a really good class. I mean, you had Joe Thomas, who was a who was a first ballot guy, no doubt about it. Cleveland Browns tackle. Um, you had Demarcus Ware, um, who was a great defensive or edge rusher for the Dallas Cowboys, and then later the Denver Broncos went to went to a Super Bowl with them and won. Um, let's see, yeah, Darrell Revis. We talked about him at the top, the former uh, New York Jet. Who you know here again. Here's two different types of corners, right, going into the same class of the Hall of Fame, which is rare sometimes. You know, usually don't get a lot of the same positions, especially on defense. And Darrell Rivas was a lockdown corner. He was that, hey, I'll take your best guy one-on-one all over the field all day. Let's go. That was not Rondi's game. But Darrell Rivas couldn't do what Rondi did. You know, Darrell Rivas was not going to go inside and and take on 300-pound guards and blow up screens and rush the passer and do all those things. So, same position, technically corner, but totally different players and totally different responsibilities, but great, the greatest at their positions um, at the same time in their era. Um, and so you had him, uh, let's see, Zach Thomas, the linebacker from the Miami Dolphins, which, you know, you have to really dig into the numbers to, to realize that he was Hall of Fame worthy. It took him a while, too, uh, to make it to Canton, Ohio. Who am I leaving out? Uh, but but but. I think that's it. Uh, the the five current players, yeah, or the you know, yeah, the modern day. There's other guys too, like Don Coryell posthumously, and mm-hmm. um, I think uh, Ken Joe Riley Klecko. of the Bengals yeah, Ken guy Riley, and Joe Klecko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was there was nine altogether, but uh, as far as the modern day players go, it's a pretty good class, and you know, Ronnie certainly deserves to be right in there. So. It was a neat night. I love the NFL Honors Program. I think they do a good job with it. And then Dak Prescott, you know, won uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which is some of the work that he does in and around Dallas. I, I didn't really I, – I kind of remembered this, but then I had forgotten about it. You know, he lost his mom to cancer when he was at Mississippi State, and then um, didn't they didn't grow up with anything, you know. Uh, life, life was hard. And then in the COVID um, year – uh, his brother committed suicide. So he does a lot with depression. He does a lot with mental health. Uh, and he just keeps rolling. You know, Dak's a good dude. He's a, he's a really good dude. And he's a good quarterback, too. It's unfortunate when you put that star in your helmet, you know, the scrutiny all, always comes with it, and you're responsible for anything that goes wrong. Um, but uh, I thought it was neat that he won Man of the Year. Will Golston was at the NFL Honors. He was up for it um, as well. And they had, you know, 32 representatives there. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool night overall. All right, we're going to talk about, of course, uh, Super Bowl 57 coming up on Sunday, as well as the Lightning's big win over Colorado in a rematch of their Stanley Cup final. But first, I'm going to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems here in the Bay Area and elsewhere for 12 years. Now, there's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar... They're committed to you for the long term. That's the difference. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. You can see 
uh, the on-site testing, and you know exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, and that's important because you know exactly who's doing the job. Those are all Billy Mays guys working up there for him. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, I guess there's a big game on Sunday. That's the rumor. Something going on in uh, Arizona. Yes, sir. The e- Yeah. Um, and it's weird not being there because I've been at most of these Super Bowls and, you know, finances being what they are. Um, I would love to have been there for Rondi tonight uh, as we do this podcast on Thursday night, now Friday morning, but um, wasn't able to go. This game is one that I don't know how sexy it is. Does that make sense? Like, okay, Brady's retired, all right? Um Mahomes is now that guy now, right? Like he he's next. And this is his third Super Bowl in four years. You can argue who has more at stake. You know, is it Mahomes? Is it Jalen Hurts? Hurts is a fine player, an even better human being. A pretty damn good quarterback. The Eagles, I think overall, are the best team in the NFL this year. I mean, they've proven it with the wins. Not just that, but their their offense and defensive lines. If you if you really love football, and I think everything begins with these guys anyway. Um, Eagles Eagles have the best offensive line in the game, and and they definitely have the best front seven. You would say, especially when it comes to putting pressure on the quarterback. They had over sixty something sacks, and they just kept adding to it, including in Domicon Sue late in the season after ten weeks. So. No one can really run the ball on them. Um, their secondary might be a little bit vulnerable in the middle of the field, but again, they have they have you know so much pressure on the quarterback that that helps them out. So what it's going to come down to, and and I think Kansas City has done a good job, you know, since two years ago when they had no offensive line and and the Bucks just ran them into the ground, ran Mahomes into the ground literally. They've rebuilt their offensive line. It's a good offensive line. Is, is, is it the best in the league? No, that's Philly. This might be top five. You know, they might be a tough top five offensive line. You get rid of Tyree Kill, and then you know you got to re re sort of fashion that receiving core, which they have they have done, including with a local kid, um, Marquez Valdez Scantling from Lakewood High School and uh, USF. And so, you know, Mahomes is is Mahomes, and he's got. Kelsey, he's got great players, you know, around him to make plays. He's beat up. He's he's had the high ankle sprain. He got through the AFC Championship game, and now he's had an extra week, uh, and then and then this week to prepare. So he says his ankle feels much much better now. Typically, that's a four week injury. It's been about three weeks, so you know, it's it's not no one's a hundred percent, but they're going to test his mobility because this is going to be very similar to what the Bucks did against against Mahomes, which is get him off his spot, get him off get him out of the pocket. Now he's he can be lethal when he moves. You know, he can throw from all angles, he can throw across the field. But without the ankle being perfect, less than perfect, there are certain throws like going to his left, it might be really difficult. You know, it might be difficult to twist, plant and and, and sort of push off. But he, he can throw the ball from, you know, 
art, weird arm angles and all that. It's hard for me, Steve, to go against Patrick Mahomes because I think he's the best player in the game now that Brady's gone. In fact, you know, I mean, I, I love Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow's got to get there, and it's not his fault. His team's got to get there. But for right now, if Mahomes were to win this game, that's two Super Bowls, two two Lombardi trophies. He's only 27 years old, mm-hmm. and he will have played in three of them. And that's now you start to put yourself, you know, you're a Hall of Fame player. Um, and, and he's got lots and lots more opportunities. I think Kansas City is going to be good for a long time. I think Andy Reid's one of the best coaches going. So – this is this is for a lot of his legacy moving forward, and I don't know that he's ever going to catch Brady because I don't know that anybody's going to play that long. But he certainly could put himself in that class with Montana, uh, with Brady, with some of the best ever to do it if he can win his second Super Bowl. He could, but if he loses this one, now he's got a losing record in the Super Bowl. I know. <laughs> it's just the opposite, right? But one thing with that, the ankle, and, and we saw this in the, in the Cincinnati game, in the AFC Championship, and and it's something that the Chiefs did this year that's actually benefiting them with his hurt ankle or Mm -hmm. making it better, is that this offense is no longer just wait, 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 and chuck it down the field to Tyreek Hill. This offense is more about getting the ball out quicker, spreading it around, Mm -hmm. short yardage, and players Mm -hmm. that can operate in space. And with his hurt ankle and not being able to scramble as much, the changes to the offense this year because they got rid of Tyreek Hill and, and went a kind of a different direction is actually making it easier on him with a hurt ankle because he doesn't have to be as mobile for this offense to work. Right. You know, in years past, he would have to scramble for a while to give time for Tyreek Hill to get open, to get those long passes down, mm-hmm. down the field open. So, yeah. you know, the changes they made this year, not because he was going to hurt his ankle in the playoffs, but – actually it's making him more effective with a hurt ankle than maybe he would have been a year or two ago. Yeah, that makes sense because he can do it from the pocket. And mm-hmm. I think that the, you know, the, the, the real, you know, the genius of Brady that, and it, I've had Byron Leftwich tell me this and, and Brady will say it to you himself, not that he's genius, but he'll tell you sort of how he sees the game. What happens with these quarterbacks and especially someone as talented as Mahomes is that you get bored, okay? And so what I mean by that is, like, teams are going to say, all right, this guy could, he could absolutely you know, gut us with a 65-yard bomb here. We have got to, we have got to protect the over-the-top throws, right? Like we have got to get pressure on this guy. We have got to get him off his spot. We can't let him launch because he will absolutely, you know, be in the end zone in, in, in two plays or one play. So... All right, so you get that coverage, and are you willing to just go check down, check down, hook route, you know, slant, move the chains, move the chain, hand it off? What happens is guys get bored, and they're like, I can fit this one in. Because, you know, every play, if it's a pass play, you know, generally has, you know, different layers, right, of receivers, deep, middle, intermediate, short, check down, whatever. And... At some point, you're sitting there holding that ball, and you're going, I can fit this in. And it's it's the boredom of it all, right? You just got to be willing to take what teams give you. That's why Brady has always stayed on schedule. That's why, you know, um, he keeps the other team on the sideline. It's about scoring points. I don't care how many plays it takes. 
you know, he, he's going to do the mundane better than anybody. And I think that Mahomes is starting to learn that. I think Mahomes is starting to understand even his limitations that, yeah, well, I, I might, I probably could make that throw. I can make every throw, but for the sake of, you know, discretion here, I'm, I'm just going to take what's there. And he, and he's, that's the part of his game to your point that has absolutely changed. You know, he's, He's in the pocket. Uh, the offenses, some you know, they give him opportunities to make quick throws, and and he does it, and he's very very good. On the other side, I mean, Jalen Hurts is just a winner, and you know they they're they're going to run the football first and foremost. They run it better than anybody because if you have a quarterback that gets even fifty yards a game on the ground, you're typically the best rushing team in, in the league, right? And Hertz can do it with his feet. Now, he's smart when he runs, and he's got to be careful because he's also playing with a big injury. He's got a really bad uh, shoulder. And, you know, you wonder if it affects him, not so much on some of the throws he makes, but maybe some of the throws he turns down. You know, that's usually what happens when guys don't feel like they can quite get enough on it down the field. They they start turning down throws. And you can't do that either because then the defense recognizes you're not going to take shots and they start squatting on things and it becomes very very difficult to fit things in there but man hurts his handle he's so confident and you look at his pedigree and you see what he did you know um getting you know yanked out of a national championship and watch the Tua tongue below come in and win it going to oklahoma you know being a star out there like you know he's resilient he's a leader and he's going to be their quarterback for a very very long time i think the eagles just have a better football team now how will they play it doesn't matter. It's how you play on Sunday, right? But I, I think if the Eagles come to play their game, they could they could bully the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit here, and that's what that's what KC has to has to guard against. And um, I think it'll be a great game. I mean, I I don't you know I don't have a rooting interest anyway, but in general, I think the Eagles have been an unbelievable story. I mean, they, they were in this game not that many years ago, but like there's only a handful of guys that are still around from that Super Bowl team. And of course, new coach, all of that. But talk about rebuilding in a hurry. I mean, Howie Roseman, he's done an unbelievable job and it's gotten him back to this. So I give him all the credit in the world. But this, this should be this should be one of those Super Bowls that maybe not very high scoring, Um and it's probably going to be won by a defensive play somewhere. Interception, fumble, scoop score, like something, sack. Something's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball, I think, that's going to turn the tide for somebody. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, I got a chance to uh, turn on the TV before the NFL Honors show and all the Hall of Fame stuff and watch the Tampa Bay Lightning. My, oh my. It just it seems to me, Steve, that when they play a team that really catches their interest, in this case the Colorado Avalanche, the team that they lost the Stanley Cup to a year ago, 
Uh, it's a different gear. Now, they needed to play well because they'd come out of the break. They got blasted in Florida. They blew a 3-1 lead you know, to what, San Jose the other night. Mm-hmm. So it was important for them to play well, but play well. And how about Brandon Hagel? What is this guy on fire or what? Brandon Hagel had a phenomenal night. He was he was the best player uh, skater on the ice for Tampa Bay. No yes, question about it. Andre Vasilevsky was fantastic in that too. His first shutout in 85 games. I didn't realize that. that. I heard that stat. That's incredible to me. Uh, and, and you know, I could think of a couple games this year where they had late leads. It was a shutout, and you could say the defense maybe let in a goal or two mm-hmm. and blew the shutout. I remember a couple games them storming off the ice kind of upset. Uh, right. Can't blame them for that either. But, yeah, 85 games between shutouts for Andre Vasilevsky. Wow. That seems absurd. Like he could yeah. go that long without as good as he is. But Brendan Hagel, uh, particularly the play, him and Sorelli going up the ice, I believe it was the second goal. Oh, just a hustle play by both parts. Yeah, where Hagel kind of got hit from behind but stayed on his feet. And yep. then Sorelli out, out muscles and outraces two guys to the puck to set up Hagel in front. That was so beautiful. Just an incredible hustle play. But uh, Lightning were seeking revenge against Colorado, but I, you know, I think a lot of it was – they didn't want to lose the first three out of the break. It, going with, the, and this is a tough road trip they have down. They're going to play in Dallas Saturday afternoon at one o'clock noon local time in Dallas. Then they go to Colorado and Arizona back to back. And and you know you can say what you want about Arizona, but Boston lost there this year. Toronto lost there this year. Mm. They're playing in a college arena there. It's on the back end of a back to back, and then you go to Vegas. And that this is a tough road trip they have coming up. Yeah, they needed to win on Thursday night, and they came out and, and, and outscored the Avalanche five nothing. So they did what they're supposed to do. You know, Colorado, of course, missing some of their best players or one of their their best player, I guess, at this point. But they they mm-hmm. also they also were they're like twenty some twentieth or twenty something in scoring. Like they haven't scored much this year, and. Going into the game, they were tied for third in their division, and mm-hmm. it, is, it, it looks like maybe they'll make the playoffs, but maybe not. Well, I mean, a couple weeks ago, is, they were out of the playoffs, so I mean, they've they've yeah they've actually played better of late, uh, getting some guys back healthy. Although Mikael McCarr was out tonight, he'll be out their next game as well. They announced he took a right. uh, hit to the head, a forearm kind mm-hmm. of to the head again in Pittsburgh the other night. So, right, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they were starting to get healthy. McCarr's out for a few games, but um, they're, yeah, they're fighting for the playoffs. I mean, they're they're in right now, but you know, a couple weeks ago they weren't, and, and they don't have very far before they would be out of it if they if they lose a few in a row. And this shows you shows me anyway, like how remarkable the Lightning have been, right? Because mm-hmm. not only did they have they been deep in the you know conference final world every year, mm-hmm. uh, and they they won they won back to back Stanley Cups and they've been to three in a row. And and it's not unusual to see what's happening in Colorado with Stanley Cup teams. You know, mm-hmm. you play such a long season, you have free agency. It's hard to protect everybody. It's a new team every year, and you know, to pick up the pieces and 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 start going again, that's the hardest thing to do in sport. And yet, the Lightning have managed to do it. And here's an example of Colorado that's like, mm, I don't you know if you're going to make the postseason, man. No, in Florida, Florida won the President's Trophy last year. The, Another the one, best yeah. regular season team, and and they're right now out of the playoffs. That's right. That's right. You know, that, that's, lightning, that 82 game schedule, that's a grind. Yeah. And to consistently 
You know, the lightning. You know, the lightning, and and you can sit there. And Boston has had a phenomenal start, and Mm -hmm. Toronto's ahead of them. But do you realize the lightning through fifty games, and now they're through fifty-one, but through fifty, fifty-one games, they're essentially the same win total and percentage that they were the last couple seasons. Uh huh. They're right where they always are. Like even though it feels like, oh, you know, they're so far behind Boston and not doing very. They're right where they've been the last few years. Like mm-hmm. like it's almost the model of consistency. It really is. And they got a they got a, a substantial lead over the fourth place team. So I mean they're mm-hmm. not in any Im- imminent danger of falling out if the playoffs were to start today. It's all about injuries, but uh, you know going back to Hagel, like he came over, he had a really good year last year. But he's already eclipsed what he did all of last season. Mm-hmm. And if I had to tell me if I'm wrong, this is just my naked eye, not knowing much about hockey except I watched it. Right? He looks to me like Braden Point Light. Does that make sense to you? Like they facially look a lot alike, but they 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 play with speed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're they get some difficult goals, um, and he's a scorer. Make no mistake about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the speed and the hustle that you see out of out of him reminds me so much of Point. Yeah, he does a point a little bit. I, I, I would. He's kind of a mix of a little brain point, a little Andre Palat. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. Palat's but, a good but faster, example. faster than Palat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not quite as physical, but definitely goes in the corners, goes against the pucks. I mean, that's that's mm. essentially the role he's playing when he when he's on the line with Point and Cooch. He's essentially taking sure. Palat. Now they have Stamkos there a lot, and Hagel goes to the shutdown line with Sorelli. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you remember last year, I mean, you know, he he was playing in Chicago. He was playing on the top power play with Patrick Kane, and was and was his line mate quite a bit, and had scored twenty some goals when the Lightning traded yeah. for him. And he came mm-hmm. to to Tampa Bay, and, and he was in a new role, a different scheme, and he really talked about, you know, he had never been traded in his career, didn't know anyone in Tampa, <laughs> and it was really hard for him. And he, you know, after the trade deadline. You know, and even through the playoffs, offensively he wasn't great. Now he was part of the shutdown line in the playoffs and did very well defensively, but never really found right, his yeah. spot on the team, particularly from an offensive perspective. And now right. that he settled into Tampa and a part of the team and the community and that, and then you go to training camp and you see what he's doing this season, and it helps. You know, when the first part of the season you were playing with Kucherov and, and Point a lot, but even now playing with Sorelli and that, you know, he's just he's relentless on the ice. I mean, you know, think how many guys the, the that we talk about in that regard with the Lightning. I mean, you know, Braden Point we know, and Anthony Sorelli, and now oh, you got yeah. Brendan Hagel, and it's just these guys that just don't stop and just Corey Perry and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Perry's you know with his age, he, I mean, he's kind of lost a step speed wise, but he'll but, stand in front of the net all day. Yeah. Absolutely, um, mm-hmm. but you know these these I don't want to say smaller guys, but you know that just don't stop and and just are pests and, and annoying. I mean, it's kind of that Yanni Gord mold. I mean, they're not the same, but, you know, you just – they're tough to play against. You know, you just don't like playing against them because they just don't stop. And and the yeah, Lightning have quite we, a few of those, and Hagel's another one of those. Nick Paul, who missed the game tonight, and he's out day-to-day yeah. with an upper body injury. Yeah. But just, you know, hard to play against guys, that, that grit, that sandpaper that they talk about all the time. I thought that trade, like, you know, when those two guys came over, they came over about the same time, right? Nick Paul mm-hmm. and um, and I thought that 
you know, Paul kind of found his role easier, if that makes sense. And he could do so many things, but like, you just looked at it and you go, yeah, I think Paul's a better player than Hagel. And at the time, they hadn't, re- you know, Hagel had many, many years left, so mm-hmm. several years left on his contract. Paul was going to be a free agent. And you came out of it thinking, I think Paul might be a better player. But now, no. Hey, Hagel's a real deal, man. Well, like, that and, was a hell of a. And the difference in them is, you know, Nick Paul was in Ottawa and went up and down to the AHL, to the big league, to the big club a lot. And yeah. he was going to be an unrestricted free agent, and they didn't want to pay him two and a half, three million a year. That's right, because they didn't think he was worth it. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to Tampa and gets put in a better role and a better team, and you say, "Whoa!" You know, Hagel. Everyone some. knew was really good. I mean, Hagel. Hagel is you know he was playing with Patrick Kane him, and, yeah. and and doing very well. He kind of a late bloomer, but you know when you're sitting yeah. there playing with Patrick Kane and holding your own and scoring twenty goals. I mean, he was right. the one that was viewed as the better player. Nick Paul just shows you that Ottawa didn't know what they were doing with him. Right. You know, all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of people that are shaking their head going, why would Tampa give up Matthew Joseph and a pick to get Nick Paul, you know, an unrestricted free agent? And, and, but now you see what the Lightning saw in him. And you're, you're kind of going, Ottawa, what are you doing? Well, and to be fair, he, you know, He's playing with a lot better players, so mm-hmm. those skills are more on display than they probably were in Ottawa, depending mm-hmm. on who he was playing with up there. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, the bottom line is this. Julian Brisebois, it doesn't make many mistakes. You know, there's, there's not many. I mean, there's a couple of players that got away maybe that you would say, you know, Carter Verhage, mm-hmm. Jonathan Marsha show, maybe you'd say, oh, maybe you'd like to have those guys back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, I mean, the, the players they bring in – generally work out yeah you know they don't they don't miss much that's for sure no no they're in it and they're tough at home they've they've got you know i know they didn't win the other night they got a point but uh it's 14 straight games with a point at home that's a franchise record so yeah they're rolling and that's what you got to do in this league and you're right they're going to be right where they need to be they have a, a pretty sizable lead over the fourth place team and they're they're going to you know Get in the postseason, and after that, it doesn't matter because they'll take home ice from somebody. Um, they certainly know. And it's all—it's just going to be about like who's available, right? Is, you know, because Cooch make it through the year. Can Stamkos? Can Point? Can Hagel? Can you know Vasilevsky? Obviously, um, but yeah, Andre was great. It was great to see him get the shutout too. I think every now and then you need to do that for your goaltender. <laughs> Let him walk out of there with a bagel, um, especially after the other night, right? So seven goal game against Florida—that doesn't help the average much, right? So. Try to get them one, and uh, and they did. So should be an interesting weekend. They go to Dallas, as you said, the 1 o'clock game, uh, Eastern time. Uh, that's a network game, too, I believe. ABC. ABC, ABC yeah. Yep. One of those stations. All right, well, uh, we're going to wrap it up because it is late. I um, hope you guys enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a safe Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be back to talk about the result of that game, as well as, who knows, maybe by then, or shortly thereafter, the Bucks will actually hire an offensive coordinator. Wouldn't that be something? What? Um, what? You know? Yeah. Well, what's going on? And it's it's pretty easy to see. This is a tough sell. This job, first and foremost. But also, you know, if you're Dan Pitcher, one of those guys, you know, from you're the Cincinnati Bengals quarterbacks coach, until the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts hire head coaches, which I think will be after the Super Bowl because they don't. Nobody wants to, you know, detract from the Super Bowl. Once they hire guys, then that will mean stuff to other people, right? So 
if Brian Callahan, we, we talked about this with the Bengals, the offensive coordinator, gets the job as a head coach in Arizona, well, then Dan Pitcher, they, out, you know, he'll move up to the OC in, in uh, Cincinnati. So a lot of these guys are waiting, and they have to tell the Bucks that they're, they want to wait um, because they, they're not sure what their situation is going to be once these two staffs are full. Um, and so I think that's part of the delay. They've interviewed nine guys now. Um, it, it, you know, it's going to happen, I think sooner than later, but we're into the weekend now. So probably not till next week sometime. And I'm anxious to see who they get, but man, oh man, this is taking forever. And it's frustrating for them too, believe me, but there's just nothing they can do about it. Cause you still got to play this game and, um, see where the chips fall with the other two teams. So we'll have more news on that. Keep it at Tampa Bay.com and Tampa Bay times for that. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday weekend. We'll see you on Monday or talk to you on Monday. For Steve Wurstick, I'm Rick Stroud, Tempe Times. Have a good day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.